It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. I am so thrilled to have Matt Eisman on the show. Matt has, we met a couple of years ago at the uh, backstage at the Arnold. He was, uh, he had just won the uh, Celebrity Apprentice. Then I think you came and you did the auction at the uh, uh, After School All-Stars and you were in the, yes. uh, you were at the security bubble there the, the rest of the weekend. So you were like all over the place with Arnold. Um, he just put me to work. Yeah, yeah. And so a lot of people don't know this, but you're an Emmy Award winner. Uh, you're obviously known for being the host of American Ninja Warrior, which is something I'm, I cannot wait to talk to you more about. And you're still a licensed doctor. Yes. My dad always points that out. My dad's a doctor as well. <laughs> and I, I, most people don't know. You wouldn't know it from Ninja. Maybe you heard it on Apprentice. But I went to med school, got my MD, was doing medicine, and then quit to do stand-up comedy and ended up in hosting. And uh, I, I think it's it's not a typical career path. Ken Jong is the other one who, who's done it. He's he's been he he's gotten into movies. I'm still doing reality TV. But uh, I I think uh, what's nice is because of Apprentice and because of some of the other efforts I've made, I've I've now been able to through entertainment start to try to help people as well through raising awareness for charities and raising money. And Schwarzenegger's been unbelievable. I actually did a charity event at his house where I was the auctioneer and my, my partner was Tom Arnold. So you can imagine chaos. But that night we raised, we raised, uh, we ended up raising five, over $5 million in a single night for the after school. So it's been, it's been amazing that entertainment has kind of allowed me to come full circle and still try to help people. Absolutely. And you know, my wife and I had the pleasure of having uh, uh, dinner with Tom Arnold that guy, it's hard to believe that he's 60. Oh. He has tons of energy. Tons. Oh, my gosh. And his stories, you know, uh, I don't know if you got if, if you got to hear how he ended up having two kids. But his story, his stories are incredible. I mean, when he talks about, you know, uh, it took him just a tremendous amount of effort to have two kids. And, and uh, but all of his stories are funny. The guy is just like, you know. At 100 miles an hour all the time. That's one of the cool things with Schwarzenegger. When you're around Schwarzenegger, you see this guy has friends from all elements of his life. But some of his friends have been friends. He just turned – he's turning 73 this year. That's right. And he's had – you know, Franco Colombo's been his friend since I think he was 16. Yes. And is still in his life. And one of the things that I love about Schwarzenegger that I think speaks volumes about him is he – he has friends for decades. He still works with you know, his chief, his, his people from when he was governor and from when he was in the movies. His stuntman, since True Lies, is still his stuntman. And, and I think, you know, it speaks to what a loyal guy he is. And that's why, you know, the, the great thing with winning Celebrity Apprentice, it was nice what happened because of the show, raising the money. But what's been amazing is staying friends with him afterwards, staying in his sphere, because there are certain people you meet in life who I think operate at a different level. And he's, he's one of them who's been successful in so many phases of life from bodybuilding to real estate, to movies, to politics, to philanthropy, to just seeing him continue to build a brand and how 
force of will, um, a, a clear vision, and just a refusal to accept no. Yes. Because I think so many people have a great idea. So many people have some inspiration. But as soon as they hit a roadblock, as soon as somebody tells them no, they think that's the answer. Instead of saying, either I'm going to change your mind or I'll find someone who says yes. Absolutely. And when you're around people like that, I think it's it's really it it's a reminder of what you can do with just an unbelievable amount of dedication and perseverance. Absolutely. Well, the thing I've learned about being around Arnold and, and, and people like Arnold uh, is that just when I thought I was kind of thinking big, I realized how small I really think. And as you mentioned, yes. this is a guy who, you know, is unstoppable. He goes from one goal to the next, to the next, to the next. He's got this ridiculous, ridiculous self-belief. And, and what I found out is you have to have this ridiculous self-belief because this, otherwise he would not be able to accomplish the things that he has been able to accomplish. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you we've seen we've seen somebody who's good at one thing he, they're either a great athlete or they're great in business or they're great in politics seldom do you see somebody who's good at so many different things and and the only thing that's going to stop arnold from achieving something i think would be death you know like yeah. he said, he's he's 73 and you know you don't see him really slowing down i mean when he's at the arnold uh he makes an attempt to visit all the different activities and there's like 50 plus uh, activities. Uh, he starts at early in the morning. He goes to late at night. The guy is unstoppable. Well, so that was a really good point, Bert. Again, when I went there, the first time I went there was a couple years ago and we would, we would, he would get up at 7am. He, he, first of all, he would get up around 530. He would work out, work right. out for an hour and a half. And then we'd go, we'd start around 7.30, and now it's over 80 events. And he would go to seven different buildings, and to be around him there, it's like being around the Beatles, where you are in, he is, he's not a rock star, he's like a god, where every, I mean, we're, we're, in, a, we're in a convention center with probably, you know, close to 100,000 people, yeah. and all eyes, every camera, you know, is reaching out, screaming for him, and yeah. he does this for hours on end, and is on point and when he's there it's what you know I, I remember they said that about politicians like bill clinton where when you talk to him it's like you feel the sun shining on you they give you yeah. this unbelievable focus and arnold is one of those people but you know when you talk about having success in so many different areas it's it's interesting because i think when i was trying to think of his skill set i think it really does come down to whether you think of you know bodybuilding his physique or acting his skills or politics his mind I think it all comes down to those the, to, to really the essential things of the charisma, the perseverance and the self-belief. Like those are the traits that motivate everything else, because he'll be the first to tell you he's not the best actor, but he's the guy who said, I'm not taking a role unless I'm the star. So his third movie is Conan the Barbarian. Third right. movie, he's he's leading actor. That's that's unheard of. But he refused to, and he he just was demanding it. And because of bodybuilding and what he did, he 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 willed his way into it, made connections. And it's it really is when you see an entertainment. I'm surrounded by people who are funnier than I am, who who are better hosts than I am. But so far, I think 
a lot of it has come from my my ability to parlay one job into another, to work with people, to convince them that I can do it. And and you see with this business where so many things in life you think are objective come down to subjective. And so you want people to choose you. And we have so much more control over that. And it's, it's one of those lessons we all need to be reminded of because so often I think the limitations that, that really hold us back are the ones we create. Well, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, something that you, you hit on there is the charisma aspect of it. There are some people that because there are, I'll just say charismatic or just fun to be around with, right? And yeah. if they're fun to be around with, they tend to, I think, get more opportunities because there are people who are difficult to be around with. And, they, and, and because they are difficult to get around with, you really have to want them in your project because you got to put up with their nonsense. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I, I see this, you know, over and over again. And, and people skills are important. Charisma is important that, that yeah. you know, if, again, if, if people like to be around you, then you're going to get more work. You're going to open more doors. Uh, if you're a stick in the mud, if you're a jerk to work with, then, then you really better be really good at what you do because, 100%. you know, it's interesting because I have friends who work in what should be ostensibly quantitative fields, you know, finance or sciences, things where, there really are quantifiable measures of, of your output. And, and, and still, you see very often, you know, if you are a once in a generation mind and your skills are that great and people will work with you. And it's the same in Hollywood. We hear lots of stories of divas and people who are difficult. But as soon as the tide turns, as soon as their star power or, or whatever is propelling them to the top wanes at all, you see people want to get rid of them because they are a pain to work with. So, you know, rather than making it so your skills are the only thing saving you, make it so almost your skills are kind of a bonus. And people are like, we know you will show up. You will be a professional. You'll be a pleasure to work with. You'll enhance everything and in any field you do. You'll be a value add. You'll make those around you better. You'll elevate it. And and then your skills can really shine and, and, and enhance them. But it, it's I think it is interesting because I see my my career. The first hosting job I had was 2004. It was a show on E, a game show, a Fear Factor type show that lasted one season. But it led to a home makeover show on a sister channel of E called Style, which no longer exists. That led to a sports show on Versus, a sister channel within Comcast that no longer exists. That led to American Ninja Warrior on G4, which no longer exists, that then became NBC. So my first job in 2004 hosting led to the job I have today 15 years later. And a lot of it, was because they liked me on the first show, word got out w within this sister network and it led to me getting that opportunity. And it's, I think it's amazing to see how often that happens because, you know, certainly in entertainment, but probably in most fields, the job you have now will not be the job you have for the rest of your life, 10 years, maybe even five or a year. So you need to think about where will that next job come from and right. to try to, cast your net as wide as possible and make sure people who work with you will want to work with you again from, and we're not just talking about the bosses, the people who gave you the job, because the people who sometimes are, are low on the totem pole, they'll advance. And if you don't, they're the ones who could be giving you that job, which is why, A, it's a good, it's just, 
you know, like my mom raised me, be nice to people. Right. But it is one of those things that I think we often overlook how much we have the power to elevate people and how they can really return that favor um, and, and make sure that, you know, you're, you're, you have the opportunity to work in the future. Not only that, but it's just better energy. I mean, yeah. you go around being nice. Uh, it's just a better way to live. It may or may not open doors, but at the end of the day, you sleep better, you have more fun, you laugh more. And I think that's what's really important. You know, it's, it's, I just don't see how some of these people even have uh, any fun because they're always uptight. They're always, it's all about them and, and me, me, me. And, and, you know, I'm the, I'm the big star or I'm the boss. And, and, uh, you know, it seems like uh, they're not having fun at all. But, you know, so, so let's go back. I, I want to go back and talk about how you went from, doctor to comedian to, you know, now we talked a little bit about how you got into the hosting business, but right. really I'm intrigued by the whole doctor comedian. Talk yeah. So you know, the first time when I grew up, entertainment was not on the table as a profession. I didn't know anyone in entertainment. I, I was brought up with my, my parents were from small town, Nebraska, very hard workers, very much get an education, get a job. And it's not as though they they were like that's that's silly. It's just it wasn't it just wasn't in the realm of possibility. I didn't we we didn't know anyone who did it. So you know when I when I was in medical school in New York, I had a friend who was doing open mics. He dragged me to an open mic, and he ended up getting me to do it, and I loved it. But even still, I didn't think this was ever something that I would do. So it it wasn't until I was doing my residency in Colorado in internal medicine when I started to realize my heart wasn't in medicine and it was, it was that lesson of medicine was the perfect profession for me on paper. I, I loved, I loved science. I loved people. I loved the idea of, of helping people, but you realize you don't live your life on paper. And when I was just leading that day-to-day -day existence, my heart wasn't in it. I felt like medicine is a calling. I, I, I was feeling like a fraud. I, I felt like, I'm not serving my patients. I'm not serving myself. And I thought I need to take a year off and clear my mind. I need to, I, I thought I just needed to grow up and then I would come back to medicine with an, a renewed focus and be a great doctor and, and lead a happy life. And so I thought, what could I do? I, I, I thought travel the world, tra you know, be, go be a ski bum, go be a surf bum or bar, whatever. And I thought, you know what, uh, let me do something creative because I've never, really done anything creative. It had been science and sports. So I thought, I want to light up a different side of my brain and see what happens just to see see how it changes my thoughts. And so I thought, I'll move out to LA and do stand-up for a year. And thinking that this would be a year, maybe two, and then I'd come back. Within three or four weeks of being on stage, and we're talking awful, open mics in LA, but there was just something I felt when I went on stage where I thought this is what I was meant to do. And I was lucky that pretty shortly in a couple months, I, I met someone who knew someone who led me into commercial auditions and I started booking commercials and commercials paid very well back then. And so I was making six or seven times what I was as a, as an intern, um, as a resident. And uh, so financially, all of a sudden it made sense to stay but emotionally and, and spiritually and, and in all the other ways, I was feeling like I found what I was meant to do. And so that transition was, I often think about 
how many people go through life never discovering their passion, discovering because they just don't do it. You, right. I could have been the world's greatest violinist, but if I never pick up a violin, I wouldn't know. And so I think how lucky I was to have been on a track completely removed from what I'm doing now and to be able to step outside of it and find what I believe I'm meant to do. And that is entertain people and, and perform and, and try to make people really try to try to help people through making them feel better through making them laugh. And so I, I realized how lucky I was to find that. And then Within stand-up comedy, I started doing – I was doing Groundlings, the sketch comedy where Will Ferrell, uh, uh, Pee Wee Herman, Phil Hartman, all of them, uh, Kristen Wiig, they all came through Groundlings. I was there taking classes. Somebody saw me and submitted me for screenplay. The host, he thought, hey, you, you might be a good host. And so it was, again, just a random chance that somebody submitted me for that that I got into hosting. I didn't – I didn't know at that point. I thought I was going to be just a stand up or maybe a sitcom actor or something. Instead, I discover hosting and I realized, all right, this is something I can do. This, this really suits my skill set. And again, it was kind of just blind luck that I stumbled into it. So I'd love to say I had this vision. I knew what was going to happen, but a lot of my life, I think, has been kind of placing myself out there and allowing happenstance to kind of guide me. And, and, and then. I think just being smart enough to realize, all right, I think I can do this. This is something I love doing and and, and kind of being open to, you know, I, I think a lot of people might discover something they like, but think, I don't know, I don't, I can't make that work or that's not what I'm supposed to do or what people expect. So um, I was very lucky, I think, to find it and be able to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and it, it took me forever to, uh, to realize that it is about finding something that you love to do. So when you transition from being a doctor into a comedian, how old were you about that time? So I, I was like 28 when I, when I left, when I hung up the stethoscope and got into my first hosting gig, I think it was 34. Um, so 40, 48 now. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's been, it's been an unbelievable ride that I hope keeps going for a long, long, long time. Sure. All right. So did you have or did you have moments where you're like doubting? Yeah. And I mean, and, and so talk about that. How did you overcome that doubt or that fear, that nagging sensation that, man, this may not be good? So I, I think I, I think there's um, yeah, there's always. You know, when I left medicine, part of it was, okay, maybe I'll come back. But as the more I stayed out here, part of it was medicine is a safe profession. You know, as a doctor, your career is pretty much mapped out in front of you. And to, to think about walking away from that. But, but I think what I've realized is the, particularly as time has gone by and having seen friends in finance or other fields or even in medicine where things have changed and you realize in, in a lot of careers, Certainty is kind of an illusion that everything is is can change. Uh, nothing is really guaranteed. Obviously, entertainment is far more fickle than most. But you realize nothing is guaranteed. So you think, <clears throat> if I'm going to bet on something, rather than betting on you know a stable profession or a stable city or whatever it is, I would rather bet on myself and and bet that 
somehow I will find a way to make things happen. And I think I've realized the my my greatest moments have come when I bet on myself and and kind of relied on I can do this. I know I'll it'll turn out well and 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 ride those risks. And you know, like Celebrity Apprentice was one of those situations where going on there, my my boss on Ninja Warrior, my bosses, the last thing they said was, "People like you don't screw this up," because they knew on reality TV you don't control how they portray you. And the reality is they could all of a sudden portray you to be a jerk. And then people might not like me on Ninja. It could cost me my job. And so they're like, you're potentially risking this job on Ninja Warrior to go on this show. And I thought, you know what? I I trust that I'll be able to, I trust that I'll be able to do the right thing and, and make sure I get to portray myself in a way that hopefully people will like me. And, and, and I just, you know, took that risk and it ended up being, it is hard because people will push your buttons and, and you can really sometimes want to just lay into it. But you think, you know what? There's something bigger here. And and so I think when you have those doubts, and, and I still do, you you still in entertainment, I always assume every season of a show is going to be the last. Yeah. And I'm always looking for the next thing. And, and, and that can be uncomfortable as you start to think, what am I going to do in five years, 10 years? What am I going to do in retirement? What am I going to do if I have kids? And you just, you, you, one of the things I, I still, I still, you know, will will talk myself through this and and just say, you've done this before, you've been here before, bet on yourself, and and I think that was kind of, that's kind of the thing is just trust that you will find your skills and that your your passion and and you know again you you really have to put yourself into it though, and yeah. you have to throw yourself into something, yeah, which is. Again, that motivates you too when you feel like I'm taking my shot. Yeah, this isn't. I'm really. I'm leading life by my by my rules and my choice. I want to be the captain of my ship because there are a lot of times where I've been kind of a passenger on a boat, just floating around waiting for things to happen. And and at those points, those are the points where I struggle the most. I think in life, and and you know, you it's it's a constant battle. You realize this where I don't think you wake up and one day everything is solved. You realize. One of the things, and that's what being around someone like Schwarzenegger is, where this, you realize it's this day-to-day force of will. Rarely is life shifted by one event, where one event all of a sudden launches you and you never have to look back. It can be that change, but you realize you have to make that same decision every day. And that's that, I think, is the greatest challenge, is to wake up with that passion, to find that passion, or even if the passion isn't there that day, to say, I'm going to have the dedication, the perseverance to do it anyway. Kind of like going to the gym. We don't always want to do it. We don't always, I've got a green smoothie here. I don't want this. I want to go to McDonald's and get an Egg McMuffin. And I might later, but right now, at least I've got this. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, uh, it, that's, uh, that's so interesting. And, and you're absolutely right. You've hit, you know, several key takeaways there. I was having, uh, uh, my son is trying something new. And uh, he says, man, I've never worked this hard. He says, my 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 bubble has been burst because I always thought if I worked really hard that I would be able to succeed at whatever I wanted. And I said, maybe you're not working as hard as you think you are. Yeah. You know, because sometimes, you know, it's the hardest thing for us as humans to do is to look at ourselves and say, you could do better. You're not working as hard. You're not as good as that person. And that's possibly why you didn't get 
the job or possibly yeah. why you're not getting, you know, whatever it is. Sometimes there, you know, there is that skill set that is required. But yeah, I, I've come across in, in, even with myself where I thought, man, I'm working so hard. And then you realize eh, I still got more I can give. And what I think what happens is you might be working hard and not seeing the results you want. Therefore, the 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 work that you're doing seems harder than it really is. Yeah. Well, I think there are two things there. One, one is, you know, again, not letting the no shape you where if you don't get that immediate yes, then I'm like, okay, it's not working out. You know, you have to have that, I think, unshakable spirit of I will make this work where this no, or, you know, that I haven't gotten the yes yet means it's not working. I think you have to have that perseverance to go. I will, I will change their mind or find someone else. And the other thing I think is also to figure out sometimes it's, it is to be able to assess not only am I working hard enough, but am I working the right way? And to be able to either assess yourself or to get feedback from people and say, all right, you know, where am I missing? Am I working hard enough or am I working super hard, but just in the wrong direction or, or showcasing the wrong skills or putting it forward in a different way? And I think you know, one of the things, so I do stand up and one of the, one of the real abilities I think that, that makes a stand up better is to be able to critically evaluate yourself. Cause yeah. if you come off stage and go, Oh, I destroyed that set was perfect. Well, you're maybe not going to grow as much. So to be able to step back and go, Hey, that joke worked, but it could have worked better. Let me try to, let me try to make it even better. So yeah. to take something that's good enough and make it great and, and, and to continue to improve. And that's hard. That is, that is hard because sometimes you feel like, Hey, I'm good enough. Let me make it happen now. Instead of saying, all right, I'm good enough. I'm going to try to make it happen, but let me constantly be getting better. Um, and doing it in a way that is not just what you think, but trying to get that feedback from people to see what do people want from you? How do people view you? Right. Um, which is hard sometimes to get feedback. The Internet can give you all kinds of feedback and some of it's constructive. But I think, you know, especially one of the nice things is when I work with I've now gotten to work with a lot of showrunners, people who do get to get the jobs and trying to be around them. And here, what are you looking for? What is it that makes someone stand out? You know, and then figure out, am I am I am I delivering on that? Right. So I think it is, you know, this constant critical evaluation of yourself, too. That's an important part of it of success it is you know what and, and so there's that adage that that saying out there that if it's uh if it's not broke don't fix it yeah and, and i think that messes with people uh you know my my brother has you know and i don't know where he got it from but i learned it from him and he's and his saying is it's never so good it can't get better yeah and it's never so bad it can't get worse mm -hmm. so, you know, you have to be open to that. And if you have the mentality that, hey, it's not broke, why fix it? Well, you know, that's what Blockbuster said. And there's right. a generation of people that don't even know what a Blockbuster is, you know. And, right. and so you have to be, as you said, be willing to constantly uh, look at yourself. And maybe you need a coach. You know, speaking of Schwarzenegger, one of the things that I found amazing about him was that he is very quick to get a coach to help him in an area that he needs help in. Mm -hmm. And and very few people are willing to do that. And so one of the reasons that he's been able to succeed over and over and over again, I think, is because he'll get he'll go get help. He he'll look for ways to 
to uh, speed up that learning curve. And even when he started getting into real estate, he had um, Joe Weider as his mentor. And Joe would tell him and Franco what to buy, where to buy it, how to buy it. And, and he, he said, even with Joe's help, the first property that him and Franco bought together didn't go so well. And, but, you know, on the second property, he did, he did well. And, and it was a small apartment complex and stuff like that. But, you know, this, this idea of constantly checking and trying to get better, it's tough. It's really one of the things that separates, you know, I think, uh, mediocre success from high level achievers. Yeah. I, and, and that was one of the things that, that amazed me about Schwarzenegger that people don't know is he was a millionaire before his first movie from real estate. He came yeah. here with nothing. And through bodybuilding, through he was doing mail order supplements, mail order training. He was he and, and Franco were working as contractors and he took the money he had. And like you said, got help from Joe Weider and then started getting in with some real estate moguls in this area. And he was smart enough to say, teach me, let me, let me, you know, and people wanted to be around him because he had this unbelievable energy that made people feel this guy is going places. Even when he was still, he was still kind of just a bodybuilder. So I think that was, a, that's a really good lesson of, like you said, being humble enough and smart enough to say, hey, I can learn more from people who are where I want to be in other fields or even in my field. And, and to have that humility, the confidence to say, I know I'm good at this, and the humility to say, but I know I can get better. Right. And, and not to make this a, uh, you know, a love fest for Arnold, but the, the thing that impresses me also, you know, we're talking about doing the thing that you love. Here he was. He loved bodybuilding. And a lot of people don't know this, but you could not make a living at bodybuilding yeah. during the time that him and Franco were the top bodybuilders in the world. You would, as a, as a Mr. Olympia, you were getting like a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars. That was your payday, as the you know, as the old Mr. Olympia. Now it, it's taken for granted that if you're the top bodybuilder, you're going to get you know three, four, five hundred grand. You know, I, I think uh, Schwarzenegger again was the one who raised the bar, and he started paying hundreds of thousands of dollars at his event, and then Olympia, you know, started also paying uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars at their event. But for years, he literally uh, was the, you know, this, the world's greatest bodybuilder, but he had to do other things in yeah. order to be able to be a bodybuilder. And like you said, he did contractor, he did this job, he did that job. And then, then of course he's going to school and all this other stuff. So when I, when I hear do something that you love and, you know, it might lead to something good, I think of his story because very few people are going to, you know, be the number one in a field for, you know, seven or 10 years and then not get paid for it. Yeah. Very few people have that kind of dedication. So, yeah. And, and it was, it's amazing to watch how the entire time he was improving himself because most people feel like if I'm the champion at one thing, that's what I'll do. But instead to be saying, I'm going to groom the next step and the step after that to real estate, to movies, to politics, where the whole time he was improving himself, expanding his spheres, expanding his knowledge. And and I think, again, what a reminder uh, for all of us in in ways to improve, you know, whether it becomes something or not. I think that that quest to constantly expand your mind and it's easy. Yeah. 
it's easy to get kind of trapped in your field. And I'm, I'm certainly guilty of, you know, let me issue the caveat. Like I am not perfect at any of these things. As I say these things, a lot of times I'm reminding myself on ways to improve and, and it is. And I, I think Arnold, we, you know, the first one is as the people who are great are probably the people who are often least satisfied. And that's why, yeah. what drives them. Um, so, Absolutely. so we're getting close on time, but I wanted to spend a few minutes talking about America, American, Ninja Warrior, and you know, uh, your co-host Akbar does a great job. Yeah, but the show, you know, has become kind of your thing when you come out there and you say America Ninja Warrior. Did you get that job? Did you do that at the audition? And they said, That's the guy. In fact, if you watch the, the first couple seasons, I'm, I'm like, come on next. I'm American Ninja Warrior. It it wasn't there. And it really what happened is if when you watch the show, it's it's so high energy. We're yelling for the athletes. And early on, I was blowing my voice out. So I was getting really gravelly. And so when I was going out, it was uh, th- that was the only sound I could make was coming up next. American Ninja Warrior. And, and I was doing it once, and my voice was shot, and the EP goes, okay, that was good, but can you put a little more on it? So as a joke, I go, American Ninja Warrior. And she was like, great. And that was like season four, and, and that kind of stuck. And so, you know, it, again, it, it was just something that I stumbled into. Um, and it's, you know, I'm lucky that I essentially was there since season two. We're in season 11 now, so I've become kind of the voice of the show, and 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 – a lot of it was just being there, you know, the right place at the right time, but then trying to make the most of it. So it's it's a show, and I had no idea it was going to become what it has. And I think when you watch it, the obstacles are great, but it's not – I think why the show is popular, it's not the obstacles the athletes overcome on the course. It's the ones they overcome off the course. It's the stories. Yeah. And and it's it's a great lesson of what compels people, and that is storytelling. Because – it's the same with the Olympics. When you watch someone doing something, why do you care about the curling or losing? You care because you know the story, the backstory of that athlete, whether they're from America or a small town in Austria or wherever. And so I think watching Ninja and realizing the power of this show is in storytelling to make you care about why they're on the obstacles. Um, it's it's kind of a good lesson. And, and one of the things I realized from Apprentice and from Charity People don't really give money <clears throat> to to a disease or to a charity. They give money to a person. They give they give money to someone because of their story. So when you watch, like a, I think a really effective charities will tell one person's story as a way to make you care, and 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 a way to make you see this one person is why we want to help all the thousands or millions of people who are fighting this. So I, I think it's a ninja's been a really good reminder of the power of sharing a story. Yeah. Well, and, and it's so funny because when you think of your favorite movie, it's because for whatever reason you resonate with that story. Yeah. And your favorite comedians are great storytellers, right? Mm-hmm. And nothing better than being sucked into your story where you're talking about, hey, I, I just had this experience. And we can kind of resonate with that experience. And then, of course, you put your little spin on it. And, and, and you know, everything, everything from a song to a book to a show, it has that story element. Otherwise, we can't connect with it as humans. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's that really is so that that's a hundred percent when when you realize what it is, you know, the, the ability and I think it's not just entertainment. So often if you're looking for a job, if you're looking for something, it's okay, you want the skills, but then give them the story, give them the why you're going to be passionate, why you're going to work harder. And and whether you share it with them or not, I think for for an individual to understand why you want to work hard, what is your what's your purpose? Um, if you can figure that out, if you can figure out your purpose and what's motivating you, I think that's the that's one of the ways that you can unlock that drive, that dedication, that perseverance, the why, because it's easy to do it for a day or two, but it's six weeks in, a year in, when you're tired, when you've worked, you know, 20 days in a row, that's when you need to sit, when you just want to take a day off to say, all right, how do I motivate to to do it today? And I think that's when you need to have that that purpose, that shining beacon that cuts through everything. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. Matt Eisman, thank you so much. Now, just real quick, what do you got coming up? You just wrapped the last episode, or the last, yeah, the last season of American Ninja well, Warrior. Do you, so, are you on tour as far as comedy? Tell us what's going on with your project. So, American Ninja Warrior, we finished filming, but <clears throat> season eleven is airing tonight. We we're in the middle of city finals, so Oklahoma City is tonight. We just finished shooting American Ninja Warrior Junior season two on Universal Kids. That'll be coming out probably in January of twenty twenty. Um, Evil Live with Travis Pastrana and the Nitro Circus Gang. We're going to be on, it looks like around Labor Day, we hope to have Axel Hodges attempting the longest motorcycle jump in history. That'll be live on the History Channel. Um, I did Lip Sync Battle in one, and so there may be something else. I can't totally tell you everything that's coming, but there may be something more coming along those lines. Um, And other than that, stand-up comedy. I'm going to be in Virginia Beach this weekend. So uh, a lot more to come. Follow me on on Instagram, Twitter, and, and Facebook, Matt Eisman. Um, you put the – it's I-S-E-M-A-N. So just check me out. I'm always – and I love hearing from people and, and hearing what they like about Ninja Warrior. If there's something you don't like, don't tell me. Go complain to somebody else. <laughs> yeah, don't tell me about it because I'm not going to – No, yeah. no, I get plenty of it. It's, it's, it's like when you, get, when you get constructive criticism. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I, you know. Real quick – for everybody, you can just, if you can remember the name, it's fairly easy, Matt Eisman. You yeah. can go to matteisman.com and yes. up with Matt. All his social media is there. All his events are there. His upcoming projects are there. He's fairly easy to find if you put in Matt Eisman. He's, Google loves him, so he's all over Google. And, uh, you know, Matt, thank you so much for stopping by. Looking forward to catching up again, man. All right, buddy. Appreciate it. You bet. Friday here on Money for Lunch and check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.